what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films, film reviews and discussion from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. Do you enjoy seeing interesting movies that you may not see anywhere else? Taking part in discussions about those films and live in Western North Carolina? Then you need to come be a part of the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. I am Alan and with me as always is Chris. How are you doing, Chris? Doing good. Good. So we are here uh, for the September episode of Foot Candle Films. This is our monthly film review discussion and uh, just generally talk about cinema, talk about movies, films, uh, things that we're interested in that we think a lot of our audience might be interested in as well. We do have the the uh, the nice feature of being able to review the films that our film society here in uh, Catawba County, Western North Carolina. We we host a film society screening once a month, and we get to talk about that film. Correct. So we've actually just exited our uh, screening for the night, so it's fresh on our brains. So that's going to make for a good review. So let's go right into the first part of our show. We're going to talk about uh, the film that we screened tonight at our film society, and that film is Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris. This this is unbelievable. There's no city like this in the world. You're in love with a fantasy. I'm in love with you. What are you you doing here? Dad's here in business, and we just decided to reload a line. (laughs) Oh, that's great. We can spend some time together. I I think we have a lot of commitments, but I'm sure it's well. What? Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris focuses around Owen Wilson playing a writer and he is kind of trying to find himself. He's engaged this lady. She's over in Paris with him. Her family is there or her mom and dad are there as well, hanging out conveniently. And the movie kind of centers around him trying to find himself as a writer and some strange happenings occur where he gets transported back to meet some of his idols. He's a struggling writer. He has writer's block in a way, and these people help inspire him, and he learns life lessons um, while he's kind of back in time a little bit. That's a good synopsis, actually. I think that summed it so, up pretty well. So we are in the summer, every summer apparently recently, has been the summer of reboots. We had Rise of the Planet of the Apes this year. Is To you, Alan, my mm-hmm. question for you is, Midnight in Paris, is it nothing more than like Woody Allen rebooting his 1985 film Purple Rose of Cairo? Or is it something more? I I don't see it. I I never had that thought cross my mind of it being him trying to redo or restart part of his movie career by hearkening back to one of his older films. I think he's obviously inspired himself in many places on this film. To me, this film had the most Woody Allen-like elements of a Woody Allen film that I've seen in quite a while. Uh, We reviewed the film You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger last year, which was... Okay. I mean, I guess okay is really the best word I can give for it. It was not great. It was not something I, I thought about afterwards. It was a very slight movie. It came, it went, and I was done with it. Um, many of his films have been that same way for me the last several years, where they're there, they're a good film. I respect him as a filmmaker because of his history of filmmaking, but the films in the last 10 years take him or leave him. Sure. This one, I, you know, I didn't, I saw it as having a lot of those Woody Allen elements, the from the Purple Rose of Cairo, you had the kind of breaking the fourth wall of, you know, something strange happening where it's kind of hearkening back on himself. He's mm-hmm. looking at himself through another another viewpoint. Saw a lot of that. Uh, a lot of our uh, m- members tonight at the screening pointed out that there were several other elements that were very similar to a Woody Allen film of the past. Right. The opening montage of Shots of Paris, very much like the opening of Manhattan in New York City. There were a lot of Woody Allen elements, but I did never got the sense that he was trying to intentionally redo a version of a movie or a rebranding of, of his films in any way. It just seemed like he, he kind of remembered what it was like to make some of his older films and, and decided he wanted to tie a little bit of those elements in. That's how I took it. Anyway, what about you? You, you, uh, you posed the question. Were you, were you uh, seeing it differently? 
going into this movie, um, knowing that it was going to have these, like you kind of mentioned, kind of breaking the fourth wall moments where he journeys into, he gets to meet Hemingway. Okay. I'll just throw it out there. And Dali and all these other people. That's Ernest Hemingway. Yes. Yeah, not John Hemingway. Uh, <laughs> or Muriel Hemingway. Right, right. Um, but, but yeah, um, so all these people that there should be no way that he can meet these people. And he does. Um, and to me, immediately going in, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like Purple Rose of Cairo, where it's like, to me, it just seemed, I mean, granted, that was like meeting people in the movies and having them come to life and walk out of the screen and all that kind of stuff. So I really thought it was going to be very derivative. Um, but I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't, didn't seem very derivative at all to me. Um, as far as Purple Rose of Cairo, I didn't think it took a lot from. Right. Um, so I, I was pleasantly surprised, and I okay. liked the film. I will say, you touched on... One of the problems I had with the film was that opening montage of shots of Paris. Yeah. And you mentioned how it referenced Manhattan because that movie opens similarly with like right. shots of New York and everything. Um, I thought it was kind of long and boring. Oh. Um, yeah. For sure. And, and I, I really, I mean, opening shots of Paris, yes, they were beautiful. But then after a while, I was just kind of bored by it. And well, I was like, Okay, I don't really think I should be getting bored by all these beautiful scenes of Paris, but I am. But then right as I would get to be really bored, they would show a shot that I was like, oh, okay, that was an interesting shot. But there were so many of them to me that were just boring. Well, let me comment on that. First off, I can't believe I just used the word Pichal a moment ago. Just for the record, throw it out there. It's there. It's recorded. (laughs) I can't bring it back. Awesome. Secondly, though, the opening of the, the movie... Well, the fact that you even said there were a few shots that made you say, oh, wow, there's a pretty shot. The thing is, yeah, not every shot was perfect, but there were good shots in that opening sequence. And yes, it maybe went a little long, but it really set the mood for me. For the rest. A little it, indulgent. Yeah, it set the mood of the film for me. It, it, it made me understand that this is a film that talks about the beauty of Paris, the magic of Paris. The fact is we all these shots we saw were at the daytime. And then it was the very end. You see a couple nighttime shots. You journeyed through a day. Yeah. You're just, uh, to me, it worked. I liked it. I liked the music. I was ready for it. I enjoyed it. Um, But sure, I could see how somebody might get a little restless. You know, I'm saying do that for 45 seconds instead of the entire, what felt to me like it did it for the entire song. It was like three minutes, three three to four minutes. Yeah, it started a song and finished. It was like a music video that wasn't interesting. Yeah. The shots could have been. All right. Well, fair enough. I, uh. I'm with you, though, on the rest of the movie. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice to re- uh, sit through and review a fairly simple film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was. Even though you're talking about the idea of time travel and talking about meeting these literary figures from the past, it really was a simple film. Sure. It was a very nice, simple film. I think uh, I really was happy with the role Owen, Owen Wilson played. He basically was playing Woody Allen. All right. Right. He was the surrogate Woody thank, Allen. Thank for this God film. Woody Allen has finally decided to step out of his films and let somebody else play. Yeah, Woody you Allen. know, he stepped out of it, but it's still Woody Allen on true, the screen. True, I mean, at he least just he's realized. Not, at least he's, he's not yeah. a 65 year old man chasing around a 20 year old. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Owen Wilson, I've seen Woody Allen try to have other Woody Allen characters in his films, right, right. and they haven't always worked. No, this one works. This one works. I agree. Owen Wilson nailed the Woody Allen persona, I Definitely. thought, in this film great. Yeah. So, uh, I thought that worked worked really well. I've never been a huge fan of Owen Wilson as an actor, um, other than when he works with Wes Anderson or works with some other really great directors. Otherwise, he you don't like he's, Drill Bit Taylor. Uh, you know what? I don't think I know what that is. I was able to throw that out, but I haven't seen that either. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> uh, so he's okay, but he's he's still a one note actor for me. He still plays his role. This is the best fit role I've seen him play since a Wes Anderson film. So I was really happy with that. Um, yeah, I liked the film. I thought it was great. I thought the fact that it was a short film, like 90 minutes, right. uh, simple, fun to go through. And even uh, I do want to ask you about the this movie has a lot to do with literary figures from history and yes. the, the, the history of writing and the history of art and inspiration. A lot of that going on here because mm-hmm. Paris in the 20s was a hot spot for many like of these artists. Town. It was the yeah. boondown. That's everybody coming together. This film really keyed off of that. That was what Owen Wilson's character saw as the golden age. Right. So now me, I don't read a whole lot. I'm not a reader. <laughs> but you do know how to read. I, let's, no, let's yes. Clarify so let's that. clarify. I do know how to read. I just, I choose actively not to read long novels. Gotcha. So I've never been one of those guys that can rattle off all the works of a Fitzgerald or Hemingway or anything else. I admire them and I read the ones I've had to read, but I'm, I don't go much past that. So I will say, for me personally, the whole 
going through just a whole catacall of all of these famous literary figures through history. Right. There are many of them I did not know, or maybe I only knew through name. Uh, you, you are, you are a more versed literary, literary works than I am. Uh, you, you read more than I do. Okay. Um, how did you feel like that whole part of the film worked for you? I mean, you had a lot of actors portraying different figures from the literary world and the art world. I, I, for me, it worked really well. Um, I want to hear how it worked for you in a second, because I think that's an interesting dynamic. Maybe not being his first, did it bore you? But for me, um, no, I, I really liked it. Uh, I liked the guy who played Ernest Hemingway. Really? I really enjoyed that, yeah. All right, let me, let me talk about that for a second. I mean, Ernest Hemingway, spoiler alert, is in the film. Yep. Okay, he does meet uh, Owen Wilson's character. Yep. They actually kind of hit it off and become a little bit of friends for a while. They do. Uh, have a few critical scenes together. I I did I, I didn't care for the actor playing him. Oh, I didn't. Now, granted, I'm not as knowledgeable about what Ernest Hemingway was supposedly like as a a person to have a conversation with. Maybe he nailed it. I felt like it was almost somebody putting on a An great act. Im, Ernest Hemingway imitation, but I never felt like it was authentic. That was me. Huh. I just never felt felt like it was a real depiction. Fitzgerald. Uh, uh, the Fitzgeralds in general, I thought were, I felt very authentic about uh, Gertrude Stein, played by Kathy. Uh, Kathy, uh, no, not Kathy. Is it Kathy? Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I thought that Gertrude was good Stein. too. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't buy the I didn't buy the uh, Ernest Hemingway guy. Well, I'll, I'll suggest something on that. I think F. Scott Fitzgerald. You know, he, I, the actor who played him. I think like all those roles were kind of soft roles. Yeah. Ernest Hemingway is a brash in your face like writer that's kind of who he was in life and that you know mm-hmm. and his novel so it's like yeah i think the actor who did it kind of did it in your face and went big and he was like well i'm either going to go big or go home mm-hmm. and i think that's why it may have seemed like like you're saying kind of like an impersonation or kind of a camp thing but to me it was like the way he kind of did it and it was like he wasn't he wasn't going to back down. It was like okay. he came on full throttle the first time you saw him it's like he gives this kind of stilted it was funny in the movie it's like their laughs preceding his entrance on the screen. Right. And then he comes on screen and it's kind of like everything comes to a halt. Okay. And like, he delivers this very like sombering kind of like downer note because her, you know, Hemingway could be a downer. <laughs> sure. And I think like, but he did it and it was actually comedic because then he continues to kind of do that. He delivers these kind of like ridiculous somber tones. And I, I, I don't know. It, it worked for me. Okay. I guess. All right. Good. But, um, well, I will admit, you know, there were several names I didn't know, uh, several characters I didn't really get the end joke in. Um, and it was okay. I still enjoyed it. It, it didn't was, distract you. It didn't distract me. The thing that distracted me a little bit, and I know this is a fan, fantastical film with the idea of traveling back in time, is not really supposed to make sense. Sure. And I did admire the fact that Woody Allen didn't spend any time trying to have his characters figure out is how this real? is happening. Is it real? Is it not real? What's the Well, they don't even talk about, is this real or how did this happen? You know, mm-hmm. what exactly happened to cause this? Nobody cares. Nope. It's like Owen Wilson, once he figured out, well, I just traveled like, cool. back to the past. He's like, cool, I'm going to live it up and, and go um but the fact that you know every corner he rounded it almost became a joke after a while he rounds a corner he's going to meet somebody else famous and it's like it almost just seemed a little coincidental but there again that's where i have to tell my brain you know what it's it's woody allen's creating a fantasy world here it works and in this character's fantasy world there is a famous person of of uh, literary relevance or artistic relevance around every corner because why wouldn't there be? Yeah. If you're going to make that leap of faith exactly. that you can travel in time, if, yeah, why wouldn't there sure. be? Sure. So I, I'm okay with that. Sure. Um, I didn't care for the for the, uh, for the Hemingway uh, uh, part. And I did think some of the coincidental works of the people he bumps into was a little much at times. A little bit of a stretch. But um, besides that, besides those minor points, I still really enjoyed the film. thought it was fun. It was a good film. Best Woody Allen film I've seen in... Gosh, 15 years, maybe 20 years. I'm trying to think back. I mean, what's um, the last before this one? What's the last Woody Allen movie that you liked that you thought was a good Woody Allen movie? Not, oh you know, you, you will meet a Tardock stranger, not a bad movie, but not one that you no, say I'm, like, Oh, I'm I like not going to go out and tell anybody they need to see right. that. Vicky Christina Barcelona was a good film. Okay. I didn't see it. Yeah. I did like that one. Okay. That was a good film. And, and that, that was a lot sooner than 15 years ago. That was more like seven or probably six ago. or seven years ago. Sure. Um, good film. Um, I still like this one better. 
this is probably the best film I've seen since some of the, his more classics, I think, in a while. So really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, the last film I'd seen of his that I liked was like Match Point. But before see, the, I never saw that. But one, that yeah. wasn't a very Woody Allen film. It was kind of right. like a murder mystery centered around like tennis, obviously, yeah. Match Point. But um, yeah, like I just when I'd kind of given up on him ever making what I would consider to be a Woody Allen film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you will meet a tall dark, tall dark stranger. Yeah, that was a Woody Allen movie, but it wasn't a good Woody Allen movie. Sure, right. This one I consider it to be a Woody Allen movie in every aspect. And it was actually good. So I'm actually, yeah. you know, he's well, still got one left in him. You know? Any other any other performances in the film you want to single out? Anybody you thought that just really, really did a great job with it? Um, you know, you've already mentioned, like, we've, uh, Owen Wilson, Michael Sheen as kind of the jerk. <laughs> yeah, he, I, I thought he did a really great job. Yeah. I think it was good. Yeah, yeah uh, he plays the jerk that kind of Owen Wilson meets his fiance meets a couple in Paris and then they kind of have to bum around with this couple and he's Owen Wilson's not too crazy about it. And the guy in that couple is like the pseudo intellectual and yeah, Michael Sheen does a great job. I think. What about Rachel McAdams? She played uh, Owen Wilson's fiance. I thought maybe, I mean, okay. She was okay, but I felt maybe she was a little one note. Mm -hmm. Um, as far and I thought her parents, but I think that was their job. It was yeah. the script point that you were supposed to kind of slowly become aware of who they are as people, and you kind of sympathize more with Owen Wilson than you do with. True. But you know, maybe a little one note, a little bit. It's okay. Yeah, I, it didn't bother me too bad there. Right. Um, overall, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, I thought uh, we got a good crowd reaction from it at the Film Society screening as well. Uh, people had a good time, especially you know after. Uh, after screening Tree of Life last last month, it's nice you know, it was nice film. to have something a little slight. It's a little something that was just you could kind of just sit back, enjoy, soak it in, and, and have a good hour and a half of fun. Uh, a lot of people I talked to afterwards said, you know, they, they kind of were sad when it ended. I mean, that was a short film. Uh, but it was a fun film. Had a good time. You had a good time? Better to be good or, you know, sad when it ends other than like, thank God. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Even a good film sometimes, like sure. Tree of Life, it was good, but when it ended, you're like... Whew, you know? Yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah, I'm all but about it. Yeah, this was a fun little film. So. Two, two uh, quick notes. Uh, Marion Cotillard, can she oh. be in a fa- can she be in a bad film? Oh yeah, you know I completely forgot to mention her, and uh, I think the answer is no. I don't think yeah, she can she's be in a bad Inception, film. Inception, yeah. Levian Rose. Those yep. are the two I know her from. Um, she was um, also in. Uh, oh gosh, what? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. It'll come to me in a second. But was it a bad film? No, it was okay. not. No, she's See? she's very good. She is oh, very, she was in Big Fish. Yep, that's it. That's what Bingo. I was thinking of. Yeah, can she be in a bad film? No, I don't think so. I think it was good. She uh, is actually tapped. She's supposed to be in the next. Uh, Christopher Nolan kind of keeps his performers close to the vest, and so she's in the next Dark Knight film. Oh, yeah, wow. She is. Yep. Awesome. We can talk about that more later. So cool. Um, so anyway, yes, she uh, she's definitely really come on the scene, and I think she she did a great job here. It was not a none of the roles here, other than Owen Wilson's, were a very big meaty role. No. You know, that's the thing. No, that's in a true. lot of Woody Allen films, you typically get your one main character and everybody else kind of plays these small, small smaller side parts. Right. Um, she didn't have a whole lot to do, kind of like mm-hmm. Rachel McAdams didn't have a whole lot to do. They played their one note, their one character, and that's it. But for what she did, she did it really well. And right. uh, so I think, uh, no, she's, she's definitely been on a roll with some good films lately. Yeah. And the second thing I was going to say, uh, cinematography – in this film, mm-hmm. I thought was a lot more kind of a return to form. Uh, you will meet a tar dark, dark stranger. There were some shots in that movie that were neat, but overall it was more of a story oriented, mm-hmm. oriented movie. It wasn't that interesting visually. Mm-hmm. This to me had a lot more classic shots and it could have been because it was Paris. They had a lot to work with. I think, I think but, in this, in this movie, the location and scenery were so much a, a part of the story right? that you had to buy into the fact that, uh, Gil, Owen Wilson's character, really was wanting to walk the streets of, of Paris at night and just soak in the scenery and the atmosphere. So that that had to be conveyed in the shots, and I think it did. Yeah, I think, I think uh, so. I could, I, the, the film made me believe that, yes, walking the streets of Paris uh, could just be an invigorating experience and to soak in the culture would be great. So the film did a good job with that. I agree. Cool. Okay, so Midnight in Paris, we both give it, I mean, we don't have our, our, our versions of thumbs up or star ratings or whatever, but we both say, yeah, it's a good film. Go check it out. And uh, 
It, it should be playing at some places, maybe near you for the next little bit after you hear maybe. this. Uh, but I do think it's probably on route to DVD in the next uh, few months as well. So we encourage you check it out when you get a chance. It's a good film. Uh, and let us know what you think of it. Write us, a, write us an email, post on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think of the film as well if you get a chance to see it. Let us know if you think either of us were off base or if you agree with anything we had to say. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, our next sec- section, we will be discussing some movie news and then going into our picks of the month. So stay tuned. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films. The second portion of our show is where we share some movie news that we've come across. And a lot of times what I like to do here is find some headlines that I maybe think Chris might have an opinion on or something of interest, and we share it and we talk it, uh, uh, pick it apart and give our opinions on it. So, Chris, you ready? Yes. Now, each show, I normally try to come up with a theme for our okay. news items, and this month is no exception. Excellent. Should the, I try to guess the theme, or are you going to tell me? No, I'm going to go ahead and tell you because I think that'll set the tone a little bit more. (laughs) So the theme for the three news items I have to share with you are interesting director choices. Three film projects where a director that we've heard of or has worked on previous projects is now working on a film that may seem a little interesting of a choice for them. Something a little outside of their normal vein. Okay? Okay. So you're ready. Yes. First one. So, and this actually has a little bit of a local connection because part of this film was filmed right here in this area, The Hunger Games. Okay. Are you familiar with this book at all? I have not read the book, but I'm familiar just because I saw the news items in Hickory Daily Record about that movie being shot locally. Yeah, so. The Hunger Games. I, I, I didn't know anything about the book uh, or if it's a series of books. I really don't is, know. Yeah, it's a, it's series. a series. It is a series. Okay, see, okay. I don't know any of this. So we could have more than one movie filmed here in North All right, well, awesome. that, could be, that could work right. out. But The Hunger Games... Directed by Gary Ross. Now, Gary Ross, Pleasantville, and Seabiscuit. Whoa. Yeah. Two, not, a, not a fan. Yeah, two average films. I'm not a big fan of either of them. Average? Yeah. Or below average. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I thought both were fine. Neither were great. Both were fine. That's the way I'm looking sea at Biscuit it. Seabiscuit was the blind side for whatever year it came out. All right. It's a little better than that now. <laughs> Let's not give it that kind of rap. Um, but... Hunger Games, you know, this is a big movie. This yeah. is a lot of big stars. Apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic Yeah, type and thing. it's based on a very big best-selling novel. So it's kind of a big project to give to Gary Ross, a guy who's done two. Yeah, but they were successful. They were successful. And Seabiscuit, was it nominated for something or got I some recognition? Yeah, I think yeah. it did one year. Yeah. So obviously they're, they're putting a big, uh, big project on this guy's plate. And I know next to nothing about it other than I've seen the trailer that Mm. just came out, the little teaser trailer. I have not even seen it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't doesn't show show you anything. Um, It's a a pretty simple trailer. Uh, I still don't really know anything about the film other than what I've read in our local paper from seeing where they filmed down the road. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting choice. You know, they're putting a lot of trust in a what could be a franchise film. I would think with a series of books, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh from what I understand, a very popular series of books. So you've got the whole Harry Potter Twilight thing to kind of measure up against how it does. And you get Gary Ross, uh, you, you know, and we'll see how it does. But Do you know if he's adapting the screenplay as well or is he just directing? I don't know that. I'm not huh. sure if he's involved in the writing or not. Because I wonder, so. was his last film Seabiscuit? Yes, it was. I believe wow. he's only had three. Uh, this is his third film. Huh. Interesting. So it's been a while, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was like was five, six years ago. ago. Yeah. Or at least. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, interesting. I didn't know if you had any any thought on that at all, but uh, and I know because we were talking about books uh, yeah. and the fact that you read them, I don't. I do. I didn't know if uh, Hunger Games was maybe on your bookshelf anywhere or not. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Do I go read the book before the movie comes out, or just wait? What's your take on that? <sighs> you know, it's a kid's book, I think, which is See, sounds kind of odd. I, it, it, I think it's supposed to be kind. And it's a uh, not a, like a little kid's book, but it's kind of like a teen book because oh, it does deal with okay. like stuff going on. Um, 
I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see if I would even like, I I'll probably will maybe seek out the first book and read. I probably won't read the whole series unless it's really awesome. And then I will. Okay. But, um, a lot but of in times, general, but in general, let me ask sure. your thoughts on if you know that there's a film coming out based on a book, do you find yourself wanting to always read the book first or are you willing to not read the book and let the film be the version that you really take away with you. You know what? I think what it boils down to is if there's a really good book that I've heard people talk about and I'll, I'll, I want to read it. And so I'll go ahead and read it. If a movie happens to like be made kind of like the Hunger Games where it's already like made and it's like, oh, well, the book was really good. I don't know. I'm kind of torn, um, especially if it's in a kid's book. I probably wouldn't run out and see it. But a lot of times I will go ahead and try to read it because I want to read a good book. I love reading a good book. Right. But, you know, a movie has to be a good movie in its own right. The Harry Potter movies, I think, are pretty decent movies except for the first two. And um, they don't stick to the book. Goblet of Fire didn't stick to the book. It was still a good movie, though, in my opinion. Um, you can be a good movie without sticking to the book. So you so. like the idea that you can look at them independently. In yeah. other words, you can have a good book experience and you can have a good film experience. And they can be completely separate from one another. Right. One does not automatically distort the other. Perfect example. Mm-hmm. And then I'll... Let this tirade go. Not that it's a tirade. No, no, this but, is good. And I think you'll agree with me because this okay. is an example where you have read it. Ooh. Um, I know. I'm about to pull it out. I read Can the I, book? What yeah, book yes, did I you read? Did. You read the book and loaned it to me. And this, then the movie came This out. doesn't sound like something I'd do. And I can't remember the guy who wrote it, but um, The Prestige. Oh, yeah. I did read The Prestige. Good book. Yes. Awesome book. Yes. Movie, good too. Very good, but and different. And Christopher Nolan, but different. And Very different. And I think... They made some wise decisions because to try to take it the way the book, the book gets into some like supernatural funky stuff. Oh, much more than the movie does. And the movie doesn't as much. And I think you would have, it would have been problematic actually. Actually, you know what? You asked me about Stephen King stuff last time Mm -hmm. and I kind of glossed over it, but I think a problem of his stuff is when they make movies out of his stuff, they keep it too literal to the book. They try to keep it too true. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work. It works on the printed page, but not, in, but not in a movie. Unless, Unless you're Kubrick. Kubrick. But he changed The Shining, and then Stephen King didn't like his version. Well, but at least he made his but own he stamp changed on it. it for the better. So exactly. what you're saying is if you almost try to adapt it word to word, it really it doesn't translate as well. Right. It's so like, sometimes you have to be taking that extra creative yes. step with a film to make it successful off of a book. Yes. And I think with The Prestige, they changed it, but they changed it because they just knew they couldn't make a movie and it would make sense keeping Yeah, The Prestige, when I read that book, and you're right, that's Man, one of the few books I've read awesome. in the last 10 years. It's a great book, but I, the whole time I was wondering to myself, how in the world are they going to make a movie out of this? So yeah. and there's a lot from the book they didn't even no. touch with it. Which is a shame, but in a sense, I don't think they could have accomplished no, it successfully. No, they couldn't have. So. They couldn't have. Okay. Wow, we spent a lot of time on that one. But that's did. good. This is fun. All right, second one. And they're getting increasingly more interesting good. as we go up. Sam Mendes, okay. American Beauty, Jarhead, Away We Go, Road to Perdition. A lot of really good films. A Revolutionary Road. Revolutionary Road. That's right. That's another one, too. Not a good film. Okay, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they're all great films, but they're no, all no, no, very no. I- yeah. more iconic films. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's tapped to do the next James Bond movie. When are they going to let Tarantino do a James Bond movie? I don't know. That would be interesting, but they, they're obviously... He said he's wanted to do one. Yeah, that right? would get an interesting choice yeah, yeah. for sure. But Sam, Sam Mendes. No, 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 no. All That's right, so you know, here's the thing, and I want to get your take on the whole James Bond film series in general. I've been a huge James Bond fan. I love the James Bond movies, even the really, really horrible ones, which there are plenty of them. <laughs> there are quite a few. I thought Casino Royale, when they rebooted it with, with, David, uh, with uh, Daniel, Daniel Craig, Craig, was great. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that movie. Right. I hated with a passion the next one, Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Bad I just name did not work. But it did have a song by Jack White and Alicia Keys. No, the song was good. <laughs> but the movie did not work at all. So, so far, this new Bond is very 50-50 with me. But did you think it was as bad? So, you're saying you were just disappointed because it didn't live up to Casino Royale? Or you thought it was like bad, worse than some of the bad James well, Bond movies that came before? I just thought it was very confusing. The, the plot was much more complex than it needed to be. Okay. And it just didn't have the same style and charm that I thought Casino Royale did. Casino Royale had enough nods to the old style Bond where old Bond fans can say, oh, yeah, that's great. That's how that got started or how, that's how he became that way. But it was fresh and new enough that you take it on its own direction. Quantum of Solace just did not have any style to it. It didn't have anything that really it just, just lost out. momentum it for did. you. Yeah. So anyway, Sam Mendes, sure. who I, 
I like American Beauty. I, I thought Jarhead was pretty good. I did too. I, I like liked those. The Way We Go. It was okay. Um, it not was a okay. great film, but it was okay. Road to Perdition I thought was fine too. Hmm. Uh, I did not see Revolutionary Road though. Mm. So I'm just curious. None of those are action films. No. So here we are. He's making James Bond, the 23rd James Bond movie. Very interesting. Yeah. But I do notice that they are really trying to go after some very interesting choices for directors right now with this series. The yeah. last one was done by, and I'm drawing a blank, but it's a guy that is a, it's a very good filmmaker that has not, had not done an action film either. Really? Yes. Santa, that's interesting. I can't tell you anything. Finding Neverland. Who did? Do you know who who directed Finding Neverland with Johnny Depp? Because no. I believe that's the guy who did Quantum of Solace. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's done some other kind of more critically acclaimed. Who even did Casino Royale? I don't. I don't know any directors of James Bond. Movies, um, which actually, kind of I don't remember that right either. Here. Gosh, yeah, we're sounding we're sounding really unknowledgeable right <sighs> now. Um, but Sam Mendes, good director, acclaimed director. Oscar nominated director yeah, and now doing an action film, a franchise action film. I just think interesting choice. I'm very curious to see and I, if I, it, I'm curious to see, is this going to be a casino Royale or is it going to be quantum of solace or is it going to be, um, you only live twice, which is still great. I'm so. going to, I'm going to say it's not going to be a quantum of solace. I'm going to say it's probably going to be like casino Royale, except it's going to have a lot of visual style like American beauty. I think he's going to bring visual style. He probably will not bring a lot of action chops, but he's going to bring some really cool visuals and like cinematography. So. And stuff, I, I, I that would be that would be fun because James yeah. Bond films are not known for their visual style. But you know what I mean? He's usually pretty. You know, he's got a certain visual look. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I thought there again, interesting choice. And actually, the reason I found this news item about this and, and reminded me is uh, they did announce, or at least the rumors announced, that Adele is going to be the one singing the theme song for this new one, supposedly as well. I don't know who that is. You don't know who Adele is? I have heard the name. I could not tell you a song Chris. she sings. And, and I'm so I've out not, of... I've actually not seen a picture of her. I'm so out of the popular music scene, but I at least know who she is. Is she a body double for Lady Gaga? I do know who that is. No. Okay. All right. No. All right. I've okay. heard the name. I've heard we the name. need to talk offline, Chris. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's just I got some educating to do I've here. I've heard the name, then. All right. Uh, good, good, good artist. Okay. Okay. And my final one. This is the one I'm most interested in. Okay. And actually, we're going to tie this in a little bit uh, with a show that's also on the Mesh channel here that um, we've had the pleasure of listening to, uh, which is Chick Chat. Ah. So Chick Chat talked about uh, some remakes that were in the, uh, oh, in the wait loop. Wait a second. No, no, no. We're not going to talk about Dirty Dancing. <sighs> Sorry. Because then I could just have the privilege Didn't of saying Didn't want to excite you there. No, no, I'm it. not talking Dirty Dancing because I don't know anything about who they're yeah, tapping as the a director. The director for that is kind of surprising. The original director. Is that the one that's... Who's directing the new one that Chick Chat talked no, about? No, no, no. You're, talk, you're talking about the film I'm going to talk about, which uh, is Footloose. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, Footloose. Okay. For those of you, you know, in the 80s, you know the Footloose film and a big hit that it was. Not a great film, but a very iconic film and obviously made a lot of money and people remember it and a lot of hit songs. Okay. So, they're making a remake of it. Actually, the trailer's already out. It's coming out just like in the next couple months. Here's the thing, though. Craig Brewer is the director. Who is Craig Brewer, you say? Craig Brewer oh, is, I know who he is Hustle and Flow oh, yeah. in Black Snake Moan. Black Snake Moan. Which I will say, you and I are on the same page with this, Black Snake Moan was my absolute favorite film of the year that it came out, like what, three years ago? Four years ago? I don't know if it was my absolute favorite, but I did really, really, oh, really like it. I, I don't love that film. Actually, I need to make that a pick in a future month. But Black, Black Snake, Snake Moan, Moan. Oh, yeah. with Samuel L. Jackson and Christina Ricci, Amazing. great film. Amazing. Now here's the thing, Hustle and Flow and... Uh, Black Snake Moan, both centered around music. Yeah. Hustle and Flow was about a, a aspiring rap artist Rapper. and rap producer and, and kind of coming up through the ranks. And then Black Snake Moan was more of a blues, blues. musician. Yeah. Uh, and the music really played a major part oh, in yeah. that film. So here he is redoing Footloose, which obviously Footloose is a very musical dance, music oriented film as well. Now, if somebody had told me that they were remaking Footloose, I'd say whatever. You know, or would you say why? Well, I'd say why, <laughs> why? and then I'd say whatever, and then I'd say and some other noise like that. Right. But knowing that it's Craig Brewer, and I've loved both of his other films, I'm very, very curious about this. Very curious if he can make a film that is actually really musically inspired the way that I think his other two films were. So I'm very curious I'm trepidatious. I mean, it could be that this guy is just cashing in his paycheck. He's like, you know, I made two films that didn't make a whole lot of money, 
Maybe they got me a lot of acclaim, but they didn't really pay the bills. So maybe I'm doing Footloose as kind of the makeup for that. But I'm very curious. So anyway, I showed the trailer to my kids. My boys don't really seem to care because it seemed, uh, I think my nine-year-old said it seemed like it had a lot of sappy love stuff in it and dancing hmm. and he's not really interested. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What's it rated? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm very, very curious. What was the original Footloose rated? Do you know? I'm sure it was PG because I think that was before PG-13 came around. Okay. And uh, it wasn't a offensive film at all. I mean, it wasn't anything that bad. So, um, Anyway, interesting choices. I just want to talk about three directors. I think you have some interesting director choices for them in the next little bit. I'll say uh, kind of like Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Uh, Footloose. Never you never, you never seen, seen Footloose. No. I have seen, just like with Dirty Dancing, I have seen scenes, but I definitely have not sat down and watched the movie from start to finish. Um, so I will say on my two cents worth, or for inflation, let's adjust that to probably like $2 it's worth. It's probably three and a half, four cents. So. <laughs> um, I will say that I would have had absolutely no interest in seeing a reboot of Footloose because I haven't seen the original. However, mm-hmm. uh, Hustle and Flow, I liked okay. I thought it was a little overhyped. Black Snake Moan, incredible. But then again, I'm not really into rap, so there you go. Um, but knowing that Craig Brewer is doing Footloose, I will see it. Now, I may not run out and see it in the theater, but like if I hear it's good, then yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of so. with you. If I hear some reviews start to come down the pipe and people say, you know what, this has got some chops to it. This is pretty good. I'll probably find a way to go see it. Yeah. And yes, we are saying Alan and Chris with Foot Foot Candle Films may actually be going out to the movies to see the remake of Footloose. Even though I have not seen the original. But I'm just saying that for the record now. <laughs> no, no, no. Right now. now, now, Chris, that brings me to a better question here. We, sure. you know, we do have all these other shows on the Mesh Network, which we encourage all of our listeners to go and check out Definitely. and see. Chick Chat is a show that they don't need any encouragement. They're doing way too well. Yeah, right now. <laughs> it seems like uh, the world is 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 enamored with what they're doing over there, and uh, uh, the girls from Chick Chat and the gossip and discussions they have. I think we need to do a partnership oh, event. I, do too. I think we need to have a. I think for your sake, we <laughs> should have a Dirty Dancing Footloose double feature. Whoa! Where the girls from Chick Chat can give you some background information and help prep the movies for you. And then afterwards you get to be interviewed by them about see, your thoughts on the film. I was going to suggest that you and I go see the last installment of the twilight series. And then we go no. on chick chat and discuss it with them. No, I'm not Cause you know, that. all of them are going to be big fans. Of I'm it. not doing that. No, we're uh, <laughs> no I think, amount of money. No, we no, get no. You to do I that. think, uh, I think I like the double feature idea. I think right. we need to try to pull that together. So chick chat, uh, if you're listening, any of you, the girls from that show, uh, give us a call. Let's set something up. This will be fun. We'll do this. Okay. Okay. So that's our news. And now we're going to move on to our last section of the show where we like to give our picks uh, for our show or for the films that we want to recommend coming up. Uh, films that we've seen that we've, eh, okay, I'm scrapping that part. Let's just, we're going to break that second and I'm going to start back up the third here and three, two. And so now we're going to go on to our third section of the show where Chris and I both have a film that we would like to recommend or to pick. It can be a current film. It can be an old film. Anything goes. But just something we think that maybe uh, people may have either overlooked, have forgotten about, or maybe just haven't uh, reminded themselves to see in quite a while. So, Chris, you want to go first? Sure. What you got for us this month? Okay. My pick this week, or pick this month, is the 2010 documentary Wasteland. Number 272, the great work by Vic Muniz, Pictures of Garbage. Um. Hmm. Was that nominated for a uh, Best Documentary? Yes, it was. Okay. And it lost out to Inside Job, which is also good, but that's not my pick. Um so, yeah, I, I, the reason, the full reason that I went to see this movie or I got this movie was because I knew it had been nominated. And um, I was like, well, you know, if it's nominated, it's probably worth checking out. I was really surprised how much I liked it. Um, basically, the this, this story, the loose story behind the documentary is that there's an artist named Vic Muniz, and he is originally from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 
And he does all this kind of conceptual art where he makes paintings or things like that. And from far away, you think it looks like the Mona Lisa. But then when you get up close to it, you see that it's actually like motor oil or a chocolate syrup or something like that. So he takes like trash basically and stuff, or not trash necessarily, but like objects. And he makes a famous painting out of it. But then when you get up to it, you see it's like a mosaic or a collage. So the Mm. idea behind this film was he went back to Rio de Janeiro And he went to one of the world's largest dumps. And there are these people that work there that are called pickers. And what they do is they go and they pick out recyclable materials. And they're basically, you know, they're really poor people. And he hired some of them to pick out materials. And he then recreated, by taking pictures of them, he then recreates famous paintings of them standing out in the junkyard. And he recreates them with garbage. And with junk. Huh, and then he takes photos of them and then sells them at these big gallery events and everything. So it was, it was very fascinating. And what, you know, just that process to me as a person who enjoys art, that was interesting. But what was even more interesting, of course, which is what makes a good documentary, um, is that you learn about these people and the lives of these people, these like six or seven people that he picks to take photos of, these pickers or collectors that he takes that do the recycling. Like, their backstories and what happens to them is very, is very interesting. Um, wow. Highly recommend it. It's, I guess you could say it's in a way it's kind of a knockoff of um, born into brothels, which is the one where a woman gives a bunch of photographers to these kids in India and they run around. So it's, it's kind of that same idea in like exposing you to a side of life, a slum in Rio de Janeiro that you're not aware of. Um, but really worthwhile. Check it out. I can see why it was nominated. Great. Good. No, actually, I've had that on. Is it on uh, Netflix? It is either? on Netflix. Right. So. Good. Okay. That's, that makes it easy for some of our fans to, uh, our listeners to see it as well. Okay. Well, my film choice, my film recommendation, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you've seen it, Chris, but the film Once. Da, 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 She's gone. She's dead? No, she's not dead. She's gone. Uh, have yes. you seen it? Yes, I have. Okay. All right. The film one from 2006. Uh, this is a uh, film set in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, Glenn Hansard and Marketa Iglova. Gotcha. Sounds close enough to me. Yeah. It's- um, two actual musicians. You know, they are not what you would consider trained actors uh, from what I understood. They did not come into this as actors. Uh, It's a film that is a typical boy meets girl story. The story itself, the plot, very slight. There's not a whole lot of depth to it. Boy and girl meet boy and girl have uh, conversations, friendship, a little bit of a hint of a relationship and then boy and girl. Well, I won't spoil the end there. But what makes this film really work is the music. It's all about this music. If you took the music out of this film, the film doesn't really do a whole lot. But I will tell you, I I watched this film when um, I'd heard some great things about it from some other shows when it first came out back in 2006. And it's one of those films when I sat down to watch it, within 30 minutes, I had my laptop up on my lap, pulling up iTunes, going ahead and ordering the soundtrack for this, this, this this movie. The soundtrack is great. The, the songs carry the whole movie and more than anything, even though the acting and the story may not reel you in emotionally, the minute these two characters actually start to bond over their music and play their music as part of the, the story, it just really accentuates the whole thing. I mean, it really gets to you and it's beautiful songs. I know one of the songs was nominated for like best song from a, from a motion picture. Right. Um, and there's the whole soundtrack is like that. It's beautiful, beautiful mu- music. So I really was impressed with that film. The fact that it was basically done with what a lot of amateurs. Glenn Hansard is a professional recording artist, and he was actually in The Commitments, that film that was out years ago. Gotcha. Another one of my favorites. And he was in that band. Other than that, that's the only acting I've known him to do, but he's primarily a musician. And then the girl, I think, is exclusively a musician. I don't think she was an actress before at all. So these two, you you see it, and it's shot in a style that makes it seem very authentic. It's very real. Um, and the story goes in the direction that a realistic boy meets girl story goes. So anyway. Uh, I, I have a question. Okay. Give me the question. I have, I have seen the film as well. Yeah. And I liked it, but I have only seen it 
once. So my question to you, Alan, is have you seen it once? I've seen it twice. Yes. Okay. Does it hold up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, there again, I find myself with the movie, yeah, I'm wanting them to get through the dialogue parts so they can get to the singing. Right. But there's enough of the songs and singing to make the film a great watch. Okay. So, yes, I'm on board with this film. I loved it. Um, the music still gets to me. And oh, I've, I've got the soundtrack. I still listen to it regularly. It's a great film. If you like films that incorporate music really well and the music is actually a part of the story, this is a great film for you. Gotcha. Uh, if that's not your kind of film, you'll probably get a little bored with this. But um, it's a good film. The accents are a little tough to make out sometimes. You get the uh, <laughs> Irish brogue in there. But, um, you know, it's a good film. Very good film. So that's our picks and recommendations. So we've got Wasteland, the documentary. And we've got the musical film Once from 2006. So, Chris, fourth episode we're in the in the can, looking good so far. I got a couple of requests. Can I can I borrow the, a little private conversation with our listeners for a minute? Because I, I need sure. their help on something. Do I need to tune out? No, 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 oh. no. You're good. You can stick around. Okay. You're fine. But guys, everybody kind of huddle in a little bit. I need to talk to you. All right. So here at Foot Candle Films, we have this podcast. We were actually the one of the first shows to record and get put on the mesh, which was kind of exciting. So are we the first one to have a fourth episode? Uh, I believe we are. High five. Yes. High five. Fourth episode. We're done. Okay. So here's the thing. Our ratings are okay. Mm. We need more. And, and I, I'm not being greedy here. This is not a matter of, we just need more and more people to listen to it. Really. It's a competition. Nice. <laughs> it's a competition thing for me. We have about 13 other shows on the Mesh Network, all high-caliber, very good-quality shows, and I invite you to check them all out. But here's the thing. We're getting beat out by some shows that, you know, I think our audience needs to know that, uh, you know, we're getting beat out by some other shows, and we've got something to prove here. We've been here the longest. We're kind of like the... We're kind of like the, one of the fathers here. It's We're not like one fair of the parents. If, we, if I'm ending up editing a lot of those shows, but yet my show is kind of yeah, in the exactly. I guess that's what I'm trying to <laughs> well, say. We're, we've got a little bit of a parent status here in, in the yeah. mesh network, but yet some of these new whippersnappers are kind of coming in and taking all these downloads away. I mean, we're not. Referencing it, Chick Chat with one episode. No, or even <laughs> a certain fantasy football show that just started up that's getting some pretty good We're numbers not too. And, not bitter. You know, and, and we've got a great music show that's pulling down a lot of numbers. And, you know, but the thing is, we need a little more. So here's why I want everybody to do that's listening to the show. If you have not gone onto iTunes, Apple iTunes, and gone to our show page, search for Foot Candle Films, first off, give us a star rating. Now, uh, I want you to be honest with it, but at the same time, we'd love to see some higher star ratings. Yeah, yeah. I sound like one of the guys at the service department at the Toyota place where exactly. I drop off my car telling me that they, I need to do a four or five on the stars. But, you know, we obviously like to see some star ratings and we'd like to get some feedback. Post a comment on yeah. the iTunes page about what you think about the show. Two, write us an email at info at info at the mesh TV. Got that right. And tell us what you think of the show. Give us some feedback. Tell us uh, some other films that maybe uh, we need to make sure we're checking out and recommending in the future. We need to start more dialogue here. Yep. And tell your friends. You know, if they're interested in movies at all, they like listening to this kind of conversation, forward it out to your friends. Uh, we're in a healthy competition here at The Mesh. I think the winner gets a pizza party or something. I don't know what it is, but we're going to try <laughs> to shoot for uh, a good top-rated show here. And... Uh, we love you guys, our fans. We love our listeners. But, you know, we think there could be a little more, and we'd like to share the love a little bit more. Fair enough. Agreed. So, there, appreciate any help you guys can do with that. Uh, but I do say in all seriousness, we're loving what we're doing here, but we do encourage you to check out as many of the other shows on the Mesh Network that, that strike your fancy. I'm going to put my personal plug in for I'm With The Band, the latest show we just put out uh, this couple days ago. Uh, episode number three, where uh, Chad Alston, our host, interviews Catherine Whalen and her fascinators. I've been a big fan of Catherine for years, ever since the Squirrel Net Zipper days. It's a fun interview, and she's got a great new album coming out in a couple of weeks. So check that check that episode out if you get a chance. Not only that, but they're really cool people. They're which a lot is of fun. Kind of nice. We've had a lot of fun with with the mesh and meeting some new people. Uh, we're also going to be looking to bring some guests on board occasionally at Foot Candle Films as well to help. Uh, if you know, we, we need a counterpoint to one of our film reviews and discussions. And I'm, I'm guaranteeing, Chris, uh, at one point I want to have a future uh, special section or maybe even a special episode of Foot Candle Films where we bring in, I know of two reviewers offhand that are in this region that hated the Tree of Life. Wow. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring them in and we're going to have a knock 
knockdown, knock drag out, out fight. little awesome. fight about the tree of life. That sound oh, like fun? I, I think we may be able to uh, get Tracy Hall from Education Matters, and she See, and I could another. take on you yep. about Super Eight. Oh boy! Okay, yeah. <laughs> see that may be that may be a part of our show in the future, kind of a deathmatch versus type go. of thing. Anyway, we go. love these ideas. Keep them coming to us, and we'll see what we can do. All right, I've rambled up, uh, uh, rambled on enough here at the end. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. I hope you had a good time with this show. Uh, we will be back next month with our Foot Candle film for next month, which we actually know what it is. We will be reviewing the film Sarah's Key, which is based off of a book. Uh, again, another novel uh, adaptation, just like we talked about in our news. And uh, this one stars Kristen Scott Thomas, and it has to do with uh, the French involvement in the Holocaust and kind of a historical piece. And that's uh, October 13th. October 13th. So uh, we'll be recording shortly after that and posting as quickly after that as well. So, And then also, don't forget, we have a uh, another showing that's Thursday, October 27th. Granted, we can mention that the Sarah's Key review. We can talk about this one. But... It's a partnership with uh, the Bridge Hispanic Mission, and we're going to show Under the Same Moon. So that'll be another film that'll be coming right. out in October. Soon. So we got a couple in October, but uh, our next episode of Candle Films, we will be discussing Sarah's Key, as well as movie news, and uh, also our picks for the month. So that's it. We've kept you long enough. Uh, this is Alan Jackson. Chris Fry. And we're here with Foot Candle Films, wishing you a good night, and uh, we'll see you at the movies. Credits are rolling. You can quietly walk out. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. I'm going to say I think that's one of our better episodes. It could be the beer talk. The beer could have helped. (laughs)